Welcome back. We go in and present. Today, I'm chopping it up with Pretty Bully all the way out of Buffalo. Pretty Bully, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How's everything going? No, God, thank you for having me, love. Everything's going good. I had a good day today. How was your day? It's been going well so far. It's been going well. You know, the kids are coming home from school now, so got to go into dad mm-hmm. mode later on. But, you know, actually was kind of productive today, so I can't complain. What was good about your day? You know what? This is my second day at the gym. I'm getting back active, baby. Okay? So, you know, them first couple days be rough. Yeah. So, I did a little 9 to 5 in the morning. You know, I went to the gym after. I'm currently frying some chicken, and I'm kicking it with you. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, those those first couple days are the worst. That's when you're, like, most sore. Mm-hmm. Like, everything hurts. Mm-hmm. And my everything hurt. Go, you second think going up the stairs. Okay? Yeah. So, yeah. You know what, though? It's actually kind of a good time to be going back because all the New Year's resolution people have probably already quit at this point. You know what? That is a thing. That's terrible. That's why I don't make those. Yeah. I don't make those. I I write a checklist of what I want to get done for the year, and I check them off. Those resolutions make you fall on your face a little bit. That's my opinion, though. Exactly. So, like, what are the big goals for 2024? Looking at, like, we're one-twelfth of the way through 2024 already, which already sounds kind of crazy. I know. It's going fast, isn't it? It just makes me feel like I got more to do. Yes. You know? Like, okay, January's almost over. Well, you better come on, you know? But um, for this year, I'm planning on dropping a project every quarter with – singles and possible projects in between. Like I got a lot of material that I'm ready to release. You know, I just had to take some time to get everything together, written, recorded, videos done. So now you can focus on the marketing and promotion and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year. And it really is like, you got to wear both hats, right? Like, you know, cause you're thinking, mm-hmm. let me make the music. But then it's like, how am I going to get this on people's playlists and in their ears? Right. Right. So what's what's that process like for you, kind of wearing both hats at the same time? It's definitely not easy. I'll say that. But it's a learning experience. There's no blueprint to any of this. You know what I mean? So even if you try to learn by mimicking behavior, what works for one person may not always work for you, you know? So it's, it's, I had to find my own rhythm, you know, and now that I have, I know I need to record everything first and lesson learned, get my visuals before I release, you know? So it's a learning process. It's definitely a learning process, but I'm making it though. No, that's awesome. I mean, the visuals too are so important. And I feel like a lot of artists have kind of yes. shied away from making videos. You know, why is the video still important in 2024? Well, first of all, you can hear somebody say something, but to see them do it and you'll be able to relate to their actions, you pull them in more. To paint a visual for somebody lyrically and to add a visual effect to it. It, it doesn't get better than that, you know? Like, we're in a, a era where the internet is everything, you know? So only hearing vocals, it's, it's not enough because you can't reach enough people that way. Everybody's on the internet. They need to see something. You can put your words up there all you want. They need to see something. 
No doubt. Between that yeah. too and social media, it's like there's the game has changed so much. You know, in the past ten, fifteen years, to where news outlets and websites and and blogs are just not as important. Everyone's on podcasts, on videos, um, you know, watching YouTube interviews. You know, when you think about that marketing plan for yourself, like what does what what are your priorities? Like, where do you really want to reach fans? And have you found like you've had the most success? getting, you know, plays and listens and engagement? That's the process that I'm in now, finding the the proper demographics. Like, and that is why I took the avenue that I did with recording everything first. So now I'm putting it in different places. I'm planting seeds to see who is gravitating towards me more. So I, I don't really have a certain demographic that I'm going for yet. New York, I love because that's that's close to home. That's six hours away from us. So I have been navigating back and forth to New York a lot. Um, I went as far as Ottawa. Um, I'm bouncing around, baby. I'm definitely bouncing around, you know, to see where the love is is more prominent, you know. And it's everywhere. So everywhere I go, it's it's really been a blessing. It really has, you know, to be embraced everywhere I go. Like I've never, ever been to Ottawa. But when I tell you the love up there was so real, it was just like, damn, I guess I am supposed to be doing us. <laughs> that's amazing. You that, know? That, that's awesome. And, you know, you've been, you know, highly recommended and, and talked about, you know, in, in previous um, episodes, you know, Kid Called Quest, you know, sang your praises and what an incredible artist you are and talked about his, his work with you. And then um, I just dropped the interview today, but I talked with Team Demo out of Virginia, and they're also super excited about working with you. And they they, they mentioned you as one of the, the artists that they're working with that they're super excited about. So it's like... My guys, I love them. That is one of the top four projects I'm dropping this year with Team Demo. So Quest is first. I believe uh, Team Demo will be next. We haven't really got the, a date set yet, but they are absolutely dropping this year with me. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. So, so oh, you, I love them. <laughs> you've got like full projects or EPs with both like a kid called Quest Project and then a project with Team Demo. Yes, correct. And Amongst you, others. What's your What's your process like, you know, when you're thinking about working with specific producers that's, you know – Yes, this is someone that I see us being able to record a full length or an EP, you know, project with, and it's going to turn out well. This might sound funny, but I like beats that give me a stink face. You know how your face just tear up as soon as you hear it. Your head, head bobbing. Yes. Like if I can, if you pull that, I mean, we can absolutely do a project. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, because those are the kind of beats that talk to you. They give you conversational pieces, you know? So, yeah, Team Demo and Quest, oh, my goodness. I really had fun creating these projects with these guys. That was dope. And what have you found, too? Like, because, you know, Kid Called Quest is upstate, but Team Demo is in Virginia. You know, how much of your recording is done with the producer in the studio versus sending files back and forth? Well, with Team Demo, we did not have the opportunity of being in the studio together. It was, but it was so in tune that, like, one of them would send me a beat, and I would send back a voice clip of a the verse that I got, like, or I send back a hook. Like, we were definitely intertwined while creating it, even though we weren't in the studio together. 
But um, as far as Quest goes, I recorded the whole project with him. I went up to Rochester, and we got it done. That's all. What's that process like with them, too, like being in the studio versus having to send files? Like, how do you see the, the whole process changing depending on how it's being recorded? Um, it, it's really a preference as far as the engineer, honestly. Like, most of my work is done here in Buffalo because I have an engineer that he is – I can give him a lot of credit for the artist that I am today. So I'm comfortable with him. You know what I mean? He brings things out of me that I didn't know existed. Shout out to Ken Cole. But yes, like I prefer to work with him, but I am open to working with anybody that's dope, honestly. You know, so when I had the opportunity to record with Knight, which is the engineer out in Rochester with Quest, I was I was up for that. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm with it. And then I like traveling and and having that one-on-one with people. Pull-up action is different than being on the phone. Yeah. You know, I, I need to see your energy. I like to read people's energy, you know? You can fake it on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and when, when you're actually getting takeout and, and you're really, like, working on a song from start to finish, not waiting for two days of a reply, you know, to, to tweak this, and then, you know, you tweak that. I mean, you know, a five-minute change could take two or three days to happen, and you kind of lose that momentum you know, but face to face, that doesn't happen. This is true. This is true. But you know what? A lot of times when I record projects, since I am always doing a lot, meaning like in life, you know, I'm, I'm a mommy. I work full time. Uh, I have an edible company. Like I'm I'm always doing something. So nine times out of ten, when I do go to the studio to like record with Kid Cole, I already got a whole project done. So I'll book like a five hour session and I'll just knock it out like that. Mm. Like I'm not one of those that go to the studio and we in there for seven hours and you got two tracks. Time is money. I can't do that. Yeah. You know, so when I pull up, I guarantee you, I probably got two projects in the clip. We're going to record them and then I'm going to come back, you know? That's (laughs) awesome. You have to be like that, especially when you look at everything else, you know, that you balance in life. You know, how did you develop that skill though? Because, you know, I feel like it's 50-50 with artists I talk to, you know, where 50% love just knocking everything out. But, you know, the other 50%, you know, it might take two weeks to do a verse in the studio, you know, just a slower process, not not that huge sense of urgency. Mm, you know what? I wouldn't even put the word urgency attached to it when I explain it from my perspective, only because it depends on what the beat is saying to me. You know, like sometimes you can get a beat that that gives you that head knock and feel, but it's not saying anything to you. So it doesn't come out as fast versus you having a topic that you want to discuss and this beat is talking to you, you know, so it's not necessarily time for me because even regardless of where I am, like I'm a traveling for bottomless. So I'm usually driving around during the day. I'm usually listening to like instrumentals or uh, probably in silence. But, um, like, I can write while I'm writing, while I'm driving. You know what I mean? So I may have to stop when I get to this patient's house and I only got four bars. So I had to, my writing patterns are probably way different to everybody else, but I got to get it in when I can. And it made me do it more often by the way I started writing. Mm. Now, you said you're a phlebotomist. That's where you take blood from mm-hmm. folks, right? Like, like, um, yes, like- sir. <laughs> 
<laughs> How do you do that? I mean, do you do you ever get nauseous? Like I couldn't handle that, like at all. No, I never. Well, you know what? It's been, damn. I think I'm coming up on 13. It's been 13 years I've been going out. So it's like now it's second nature. I used to get like I, I was like a crybaby. I swear to God, because I was at Children's drawing blood children's hospital so it was different you trying to get blood from these little infants and they screaming like that bothered me the mm. adults i'm cool with that <laughs> it was rough doing the babies though do you have patience for adults that are like scared of needles or they're flinching or anything like that have you ever had that happen and like how do you deal with that honey i have had uh, a dude he had to be 300 easy 275 maybe tattoos everywhere when i tell you i took this butterfly needle out and that's the little one the butterfly i took this needle out and this big ass i'm sorry i'm trying to wash my mouth but he gets to sliding out the chair i'm like really sir i didn't even stick you yet like yes i've absolutely had some some divas sit in my chair (laughs) that's amazing i it out yeah, how do you keep the professionalism without just saying what you want to say? I feel like that's where I would struggle. Time. I wasn't always like that. Now, I mean, since I've been doing it for a long time, now I have more patience for things like that. And I know how to approach it. I know to distract them when I am getting ready to do it. So they, and then they're like, oh, I didn't even feel that. You know, to see it, just me doing it over time helped me have different approaches to avoid things like that. Mm. When I first started, I didn't know anything about it. It's like, sir, please just give me your arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's wild. That's something I know I could never do. Um, I also couldn't replicate your rhymes, you know, on duffel bag bully, which is a project I really have loved listening to. And that's, um, really? with, thank you. Yeah, no, it's super dope. Like castle money beats, you know, the chemistry that you all had, like with his sound and your rhymes, I feel like, um, really just it, it it sounds really great like and and i and i love how autobiographical the music is especially we look at like a song like i'm really nice so what mm. what was your perspective and kind of mindset going into work on duffel bag bully where i feel like you're giving folks like a good glimpse of who you are but also showing like that lyricism and and the braggadocious wordplay that's like um you know gives it that like replay value over and over again. Well, coming into duffel bag, I had the mindset of being tired of being an underdog. You know, it's like, I've been doing this for a long time and it's not like, um, some people aren't aware. (laughs) Try to keep it cute. It's not like some people aren't, they are, they just choose not to, to pay attention so i had to turn it up a couple matches you know it it was like opportunities being taken away and because of what i didn't represent with the sex selling and you know it it was a lot going through my head before we went to that project so like when castle he first started sending beats we were just doing singles and that's when who you talking to came and i'm really nice and and then we're like, you know what, let's just do a project together. And the rest is history. Shout out to Castle. It was fun making that one, too, because it was just, like you said, I was, I had to flex a little bit because I felt like they were playing with me. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you feel like the response you got was what you were looking for? 
it, it was actually more because I guess I wasn't thinking big enough. You know, prior to me doing Duffel Bag Bully, I didn't really step out outside of my own city much. I mean, I would here and there, but when I started being more active outside of the city, I think that helped tremendously when it came to me dropping that project, mm. you know, because I was so secluded. You know, I had to come outside a lot more. And it made, and again, that's another lesson learned. I got to move around a lot more. And I've been doing so. Shout out to Quest. You got me moving too. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Because I mean, a lot of a lot of what happens these days too is because of social media and how easy it is to get on these streaming platforms. There's not a lot of mm-hmm. going outside. It's a lot of artists that are able to really do everything from their, you know, from their own place and never actually interact mm-hmm. with the fan in real life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like COVID made that even worse. I mean, because we were outside a lot more. I mean, the Internet, granted, we know it's taken over. It's taken over our whole way of life. But prior to COVID, we had more activity. You know, we became accustomed to working through the computer. And it's like a lot of people still haven't broken out of that. It's like the easy way out. Oh, I know how to do this now. I don't have to go outside. Right. No, it's it, that I, I agree 100 percent, you know, and, and your first, you know, like, I'd say like your biggest, you know, first project uh, that you released was the Respect Your History mixtape in 2017. You know, when you go back there and you look at the classic beats you're rhyming over, like how do you think you've grown as an MC from looking at Respect Your History to, you know, 2024? When I did Respect Your History, oh, my goodness, I um. I was actually in a space where I felt like my back was against the wall. I had to generate a sense of income. You know, I had just got fired from my job. So it was like when I I created that mixtape, it was for revenue, you know? So I think not even a thought. I know for a fact that my mindset has completely changed since then. I don't do this for money. I do this as a way to vent now as a way for me to release to connect with people so the fact that I've grown as a woman my writing process my artistry everything has changed everything like it's still changing now I'm changing you know so I'm happy with the growth that I've had it's just it's it's interesting to look back at my last project. I can't tell you the last time I listened to Respect Your History, but if I traveled down that lane and took a gander, like it puts me back and I remember who I was then, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. And when when you think about your journey in the game, you know, how do you feel like you've experienced like stereotypes or expectations being a woman and, and versus what you see like your male counterparts experience or not experience? Mm. Well, I haven't really been receiving much negative energy as of lately because I keep my circle so small, but like along this journey, I've had situations where men old, <laughs> they'll constantly say things like, oh, she all right for a female or she all right out of the girls. And I'm like, yeah, she nasty for the girls. And it's like the condescending comments 
they irritate me so bad because when we, where this came from, meaning hip hop, gender didn't matter. You know, shout out to Roxanne Shantae. Okay. So like, why does it matter that I'm a woman doing this? So it, it, it kind of, not even kind of, it makes me go a lot harder. Like when I rap aggressively, it's usually because somebody pissed me off and it's, along those lines you know so now i have to <laughs> pull out a body part that i don't have you feel me <laughs> right and, and, and you address it really well too throughout you know duffel bag bully but it's like you know even even thinking about like my conversations with rod digger back in like 2008 2009 it's like mm. i don't know how much has actually changed how much progress has actually been made towards like mm-hmm. more gender equity and and you know decreasing those stereotypes those kinds of comments that you experience like i'm not quite sure how how much hip-hop has grown overall and in, in, if not gone backwards in some ways oh i could definitely agree with the going backwards i feel like um the hyper hypersexual activity that's going on nowadays takes us steps back because now I don't really feel like that's hip hop anyway, but I say this to say the way that the industry is going now, being so hyper sexual, it's like we're feeding this to the next generation. So this is what we're going to keep seeing. That shit is scary. That shit is scary as hell. But when you get an artist like, myself or Shaynor or Love the Genius or Rhapsody, like they don't put light on actual teachings and lyricism. They only want to do it if you're naked with bundles down your back, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a scary path to be on, you know, I'm going to stay true to myself and stay true with the gang that, that does what we do, but it, it's scary to see it. And I have a 15 year old daughter. So it's like, she's growing up in this era with these type of influences. So that means I just got to go that much harder. You know what I mean? It's it's rough, baby. Like to sit and, I can't say sit and watch it because I'm trying to do something about it, but to be involved while it's happening, it's hard to see. Very hard to see. And I definitely feel like it's a, a couple steps back. No, I, I would totally agree with you there. And, you know, do you feel like you surprise people when they hear your music and they hear those bars and they're like, whoa, like what what is going on here? Like, do you ever feel like you catch people off guard in that like in that sense? People say it all the time in the comments. They say all kind of stuff and I just kind of chuckle at it, you know, because, again, like a lot of people, people weren't aware of me because I wasn't moving around as much. You know, if I'm not putting my music in your face, learning about marketing and promotion and things of that nature, I can't fault you for not knowing I've been doing this for X amount of years, you know. But then also when you think about it, a lot of people, when they get to the peak of their career where it takes off, they've already been grinding for a good 10 years, you know. So it's not like it's just now they're catching on. It just took people a minute. But you stay focused on what you're doing and other people will catch up. I try not to worry about who don't see it, you know, and just keep feeding the ones that do. And and you think about being overlooked too. I mean, for so long, you know, upstate New York, Buffalo, Rochester, every, every you know, everywhere upstate has always been seen 
in the shadow of New York City. But when you look at what's happened with Griselda, 38 Special, Edo, what you're doing, like you guys are all working to put, you know, upstate New York hip hop on the map in, in a much bigger way than has ever been done before. Like, do you feel like there's a shift there in terms of the respect and the attention that upstate New York is getting now versus, you know, five, 10 years ago? I do. Um, hip hop always takes, well, the industry in general, it always takes shifts. You know, we're at a, a shift in the industry where lyricism matters. You know, and it's not that I don't feel that, like we've been a shadow for New York, but they just weren't aware. You know, we've been here, but they just weren't aware as much as they are now. You know, and it's thanks thankful to that shift in the culture we're back to where lyricism matters again you know and it's not just all about happy rhyming lines i don't want to call them bars but you know what i mean right <laughs> yeah. And do you so see, yeah i absolutely think it's just do you see a lot of collaborative opportunities happening you know when you look at you know, where you're at in Buffalo, um, you know, Rochester, other areas, like, do you see yourself in the scene there, like, more opportunities to work with artists and really um, put stuff out, you know, with, um, with Buffalo and Rochester, those, you know, artists from around that area? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm always working and I'm always willing to collab. And then it also depends on the rooms that you're in. You know, and who you know and who you interact with, who you network with. You know, I'm absolutely with it. As long as somebody is working and hustling and it doesn't feel like an anchor, I'm absolutely working. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt. I mean, that, that that's awesome. You know, also, you know, I know you've done some ghostwriting. What's that process Hi. like for you? And, like, how do you <laughs> shift from, like, writing for yourself, you know, to writing for others? Well, I have to do research when it comes to who I'm writing for, you know? So if, I, if I'm writing for a male, nine times out of ten, I could just be my regular aggressive self. <laughs> I mean, just to be honest, I'd probably just rap like I usually would, but it would have to be on a type of beat that they would like and in a lingo that they would say. So I have to do research on these people, you know, or and when it comes to women, like they tend to be softer and more sexual. And it, it's kind of like tapping into a different author ego, you know, like something I wouldn't typically say myself, but I could say it for you because that's something you would say, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, Go that... try to find no, that, that that's amazing you know um obviously you probably can't tell us either what you've actually written for others right i'm sure that's under lock and key at this point it absolutely is and i i can guarantee well one of these days it'll come out you know maybe they'll do like a a, a greatest hits or something for me like 20 years from now or something let's speak that into existence but yes. for the most part i just i keep it low and it's, I just watch, you know, it's nice. It's nice to see it. Sometimes it does make me cringe. I'll be nice. But it, sometimes it does make me cringe. If the delivery is off, it's like, oh, you shouldn't have said it like that, you know? <laughs> Once I put it in your hands, baby, it's yours. 
<laughs> mm. Have you ever had a verse that you've written or a song and the delivery is just so terrible and it it's not the way that you like pictured it or, or heard it when you were writing it? Meaning someone I ghost wrote for? Right. And you're like, okay, here's your song. Absolutely. But then you, you hear it and you're like, ugh, like you're wasting good bars. That is where the cringing comes in, honey. Yes. Yeah. I have absolutely cringed hearing it. Like, oh, he was supposed to say it like this. Because delivery is everything. Yeah. If you don't deliver to match the words that you're saying, you don't really hear it. You know? Like, it's... But I do what I can. But I can't really... That's another tricky part about ghostwriting. I can give you the words, but I can't give you a cadence and, and things of that nature only because then I'm giving you me. So the most I can do is give you a dummy track with the words and you make it your own. Yeah, no, that's it's it's crazy to think about, like, you know, when when that song comes out and it's like the artist is happy with it, but, you know, it could be better and you can't really do anything uh-huh. at that point, nor nor do you, you know, you already got paid. So what does it matter? But, um, yeah, that that's something that I could see being a struggle. Yeah. Good old work for hire. You got to bite your tongue, bite that bullet. And you're like, well, the customer was happy. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. And 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 and. and the repeat customers are always nice, no matter what, you know, field it's in, you know, whether it's like tutoring, you know, ghost writing, um, Uh restaurant, whatever it is, like those repeat customers are what keep things afloat. It really is. It really is. It builds bonds. And then you figure you build a relationship. So now the next track and I'm more familiar with you. You feel me? Like maybe I can possibly, since it's, even if I did, if I seen something that didn't connect the first time, second time around, maybe I can do something in my writing process and make that connect better with you. Right. You know, like it's a learning process. But it's a dope experience, though. Yeah. Really dope. No, that that's awesome. You know, what is your writing process like when you think about taking a verse or a song from, you know, absolutely nothing to the finished product? It depends on my mood. My moods are crazy. I think I'm bipolar. I just haven't been diagnosed, you know. But, um, yeah, it depends on my mood. Like, sometimes um, I've never written while I was upset. I'm, I'm kind of a little intimidated to find out what I would write if I was upset. Mm. So I'm usually in a good headspace, you know. Um, usually active. I need to be doing something to just sit down and try to write is is too tedious for me. I got to be doing something else while I'm doing it. So it's more of a a feeling versus me trying to put words together. And when huh, you, I never when, said that out loud. That's nice. No, that's really <laughs> that's really interesting. It's it's amazing. You know, so how do you know when you have a finished product and it's like this is good like if I if I add one more you know, brushstroke is going to ruin the painting. Sometimes I got to be told, okay, leave it alone. I ain't going to hold you. Because I'm a perfectionist, you know. Well, I try to be, at least. So sometimes I might overdo things or try to change something too much. And I'm like, okay, let me just leave this alone or come back to it tomorrow. I'll be like, no, it is okay. You know, I get in my head a lot. I do. I change things a lot. Like sometimes, even on Duffel Bag Bully, a couple of those hooks, I changed 
three times before I recorded it. So the hooks that you hear is not what I started with. <laughs> Does that ever like drive the producer or like your team crazy? Like when it's like, like one more time, one more time. Well, no, see my recording process is never like that. Mm. It's never like that. Like I usually, cause since I go to the studio and I'm recording maybe one project or two projects at a time, by the time I get there, I'm set. So you're, you're ready to so go. So I've already went through the thought process. Right. I've already went through. So people really don't even get to see all of that. It's not, it, and it, it's not like it may take me a long time. It's just like if I say, for instance, in between rides before I'm drawing blood on the next patient, I'll have the same instrumental on. By the time I get back in the car, a different hook probably came to me. Mm. So I'll, I'll choose the better one. You know, like different cadences and, and stuff like that. I just play around with the beat to see what feels the best. And then I go that way. But that, I usually never end up with the one I started with. That's awesome. You know, I know you started rhyming when you were 13. So do you remember your first yeah. rhyme? Do you remember that start? I don't. No, people keep asking me that. I really, I have no idea what I said. I just remember rhyming a lot. And I don't recall it making sense. I just know everything rhymed. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot, but no, I do not remember that one. I wish I recorded it because I do not remember that. And how much are you able to like bring your daughter into the process to see like the work that you're doing and, and like what it's like, you know, being an independent artist and, you know, hitting the studio and, and, and the whole grind that comes with being an independent artist. Both of my children have been with me the whole time as far as artistry. Like, they've both been to studio sessions with me, writing sessions, um, shows. You know, they've been at both. Like, my daughter, is, she is, <laughs> she's funny. I had this one post that went up. Quest, uh, he shared it on Hip Hop Forever on Facebook. And this one guy, actually, it was multiple. A bunch of guys were under there and they were saying, like, oh, she didn't write this. She couldn't have wrote this. It was a lot of comments to that nature. And my daughter got so upset. She was just like, Mom, what you need to show him your notebook or something? I'm like, no, baby, we good. We good. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. She was ready. She was ready. She was defending mommy all day. Like, what's, what they mean? you not writing it. Like, yeah, she was ready. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's that loyalty right there that, that money can't buy right there. Mm-hmm. That was the fact. They are definitely, both my kids are, are very involved. My son is actually an artist himself. Yeah, like, I didn't know that any of my my kids would actually dive into music as well, you know? So I just, I let him be himself. I don't want to be too intrusive or um, influencing what you do, you know? I want you to find your own, you know, because that's what makes music the best when you're authentic with it, when you're being yourself, you know? So, yeah, I'm happy my baby's in music too. Yes, you know, I remember talking to Ido on the podcast about um, his daughter being into music and wanting to make music and just interesting how his, you know, daughter... You know, being a teenager was much more interested in like what was popular, you know, at the time versus, you know, the kind of the boom bap, grimy, gritty music that Ido makes, you know, and I, uh, I see you being in the same lane as an Ido type artist, you know, with with the, the, the music you make. So it's just it's interesting to see how 
kids and parents can both have a love for music, but like different types of the same genre even. Oh, yeah, because I think these are the type of people, and I can say that because this is how I feel. Music is, it's a feeling, you know? So if if I was influencing my son to create the same type of music that I do, it's no longer a feeling. Like, it's a chore. This is not what you feel, you know? Like, you're supposed to express yourself through this music. You're telling a story. You're telling people who you are, you know? So you can't. You can't influence that. You can encourage, you know, but yeah, I think those are people that are in tune with themselves because they see it. Let that baby be themselves. Do, do you Let find, like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's so important. I mean, do you find that you and your kids put each other onto music that maybe like, maybe they didn't know about this, this artist that, you know, we grew up listening to, but then they're putting you on to some new artist that maybe you weren't familiar with. Yes, my son does that all the time. Yeah, he'll send me like um, links of, or I'll hear him playing something. I'm like, wait, who is that? You know, like he finds me on the things all the time. Um, good music too, because he knows I, I love lyrics. So it doesn't have to be in a boom bap form. I just love lyrics. It could be country music, you know, pop, gospel. I just love lyrics. So anything that's lyrical, he's like, mom, I think you'll like this. You know, and when he rides around with me, he knows for a fact I'm going to have it on Pandora, Jadakiss, old school radio. So he's going to get throwbacks coming from mommy. So (laughs) we intertwine all the time. Super excited for what you have planned in 2024. You know, if you want to remind the listeners too, like what to expect from you, but also like where to check you out and where to where to get the music. Of course, we'll drop all the links in the interview. But if you want to shout out any spots you want the fans to go, please feel free to do so. Okay, you guys can catch me on Instagram at pretty underscore bully. That's B U L L I. Twitter is pretty bully B U L L I. YouTube is the same thing. I'll be dropping. My project first quarter is titled Then and Now, produced by Kid Conquest. And you can find my link tree in my bio on Instagram. It's a lot of music coming from me. I'm excited. That's amazing. Thank you so much to Pretty Bully for taking the time to talk on you know to us on We Going In Presents. And I'm sure we'll be talking again in 2024 with all the amazing projects you're dropping. So really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to talking to you again.